I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, Site Visibility have just released their 2020 PPC automation guide. The guide is completely free to download and it's going to help you to get started with each of the new automation settings within Google Ads. This includes smart bidding, responsive ad testing, dynamic search ads and more. So the best way to accelerate your PPC growth in 2020 is to start planning today. So download your free guide from bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide. I'll say that once more. Bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide. Now today I'm joined by Eli Schwartz, growth advisor and marketing consultant. Eli, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Andy. Absolute pleasure. You're in the States, are you? I am. I am in sunny California. Very nice. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I uh, spent about seven years working at SurveyMonkey, helping them to grow their organic SEO, helping to build out an office in SurveyMonkey, helping them to build out an office in Asia, and then as a growth director, helping to run experimentation. That was left that role about a year ago. And from there, I've been consulting with a variety of interesting companies like Shutterstock and Automatic and GetAround and Mixpanel and Zendesk, really helping them to build out their organic strategies. Pretty much the same thing I did at SurveyMonkey, which was working with the team and understanding where the growth potential would be from SEO and not really by optimizing title tags, but by finding and defining a product strategy that would help the company grow and to open up a new channel from organic search. Nice. And that's what I want to talk about today, actually. It's, it's more the sort of um, strategy rather than sort of niggledy, piggledy, if that's even a word, a sort of low-down low approach. Let's start with something that I know that you've got some some quite strong views on, and this, this idea of, uh, I, I guess, focusing on products over content. What are your thoughts there? So I divide SEO into two different worlds. There's one world, which is content marketing. So that's, that is SEO. You're writing content which is designed to show up in search and you're doing keyword research and it's designed to rank well in search. The challenge with that is that comes down to picking specific keywords and the hope is that you're going to rank on the search engines for those keywords. And if you don't rank on search engines for those keywords, then you have not been successful. Mm. Other bigger challenge with that is that anybody with 
actually no money can go onto Google Keyword Planner and come up with the same keywords and write the same content and build the same links and try to rank on that. There's absolutely no differentiation and there's no reason why one piece of content starting on the same day would rank higher than another piece of content written on the same day. I like to think about SEO from a different perspective, which is how is it that we can add value to an organic search user and then kind of sort of putting our our own search hat on, like what are what are we doing as users? But how do we add value? What are people looking for? And what is that we can offer and create for that user that's going to find us from search? So I like to think about that as more of a technical SEO effort. That's a what I really like is a product-led SEO effort. So it's not really about optimizing title tags or doing keyword research. It's about building something for the search ecosystem, for the search user, absolutely creating something from scratch for that user. And talking about sort of not that related, but again, it's a sort of, a, I suppose it's an, an attitude really of, of, of us all when we're doing SEO. Uh, and it's the attitude towards Google algorithms uh and you i know that you wrote a, a good blog post about this uh was it quite recent i can't remember what it was now uh but you were talking about there's no sort of reason to fear the um algorithm tell us a bit more about that so i primarily work with very large companies you know the the sweet spot of the company i work with is usually spending you know millions of dollars per year on paid marketing and i'm helping them to build out an you know organic channel that they're investing a significant amount of money in when I work with startups, the effort is the same. Like they're really willing to go all in on SEO. So typically my clients do not have, they're never affected by an algorithm update because they're not doing anything dirty. Mm. So I think when people have this sense of panic around there's an algorithm update, it's because there's some dirty laundry. They've done something. They found a loophole that eventually Google will close. Now, ultimately, I think Google wants to be as good as a human being. They want to be able to say, what would a human being do if you gave them 10,000 websites and they had to sort them and decide the most perfect result based on a user's individualized query. So that's what the Google algorithm wants to do. It doesn't do that today, probably won't do it next year, maybe not even two years from now, but eventually they want to do it. And they're taking baby steps towards that goal. Mm. Now, if a human would not categorize a website as something that a search user would want to find, the algorithm potentially wouldn't do it either. So if you're exploiting a loophole that it, you know a fallible algorithm can actually end up ranking, that's the kind of things that when there's algorithm updates, you're going to you know see some sort of dip in traffic. Yeah. So I don't chase the algorithm. I'm focusing on just adding value to the user, not doing anything that is really below board, not doing anything that if a human looked at it, they would say this doesn't belong to rank. So. I don't have this fear of the Google algorithm. Actually, most of the time when there's a Google algorithm update, the sites I work with benefit because they are brands. They are providing extreme value to users. And when they're not ranking as well as they should on search, it's potentially because there are some of those shady websites doing the things they shouldn't be doing that are able to outrank them. And when Google updates their algorithm, they nail them and they make them disappear. So then my clients are able to actually do a little bit better. And I guess this this kind of has a link back to this what we just spoke about, this idea of product first, doesn't it? It, it is absolutely product first. And I'll give you an example of a, a company I worked with you know, fairly recently. It's, uh, they were 2018's app of the year on the Google Play Store. They, they have an app that helps people to learn languages visually. It's called Drops. So go to the App Store, but also available on Apple, of course. Mm. They help you to learn languages by you pick a language and then you, it's, you know, they gamify the learning. So a very popular app. I started working with them on how to build out that 
product onto the web. It didn't exist. When I started working with them, they only had this app. And they had a website that helped you to download the app, but they also wanted to use the web to really start doing the same thing, gamifying language learning, and then get people to download the app and then you know subscribe to a premium subscription. So huge dictionary, potentially competing with Google Translate, potentially competing with Babelfish and every other translation website out there and dictionary out there. So what we did was we developed the product that would help them to expose that in a structured way. So yeah. we built out a website and all the effort we did was on product. None of the effort was on like, hey, what's the search volume for the word bread in German? What's the search volume for the word beer in French? Mm. We didn't look at any of that. We looked at like, how do we build a website that users will find us? And if we rank on the word bread in German, that's fantastic. If we rank on the, and we don't, maybe we'll rank on the word audience. So we built out a website and it continues to grow. You know, they launched in June. They're generating hundreds of millions of impressions on Google, tens of thousands of clicks per month. Like that's the, like, we're just going to keep doubling down on that strategy. That's what we focus on rather than, you know, optimizing title tags or writing content towards keywords that people want. And you know, that, that's one example. Another company I worked with was a company called Fishbowl. They are very popular for people in the consulting industry, for ad agencies, for, you know, uh, con- accounting consulting like PwC or Deloitte, McKinsey. The app was popular, but again, they didn't have a website. And again, we did the same thing. Figure out how do we build a website that provides users what they're looking for. That's where the effort was. Again, no keyword research. Like, I love to go to places where there's no keyword research, but you know there's product market fit because Mm. that's where you can add value. And that's where there's a tremendous amount of opportunity and growth. It's almost almost like... um not using keyword research is like the equivalent of organic gardening versus chemical gardening, isn't it? I would say so. I mean, using keyword research means that someone has already searched that. So therefore, the keyword research tools have helped you to figure out what the volume is. Mm. So I like to think about the most successful possible company that has done this product-led SEO and has not used keyword research is Zillow. I don't know if you have something like that in the UK. Or if you don't, whoever's Mm. listening should go and create that immediately. But Zillow.com, they took every single address in the United States and they built out a page for it. And they used government data to figure out what the value of the houses are. And then they created an algorithm about how to understand what a value of a house would be. So much so that people put their, their, you know, they figure out their net worth based on their Zillow value of their home. So when Zillow created that, if you put in my house into a keyword research tool, it would say there's nothing there. No one searches for that house. Mm. Maybe on Google Maps, but no one searches for any content. Zillow created the value of doing just that. And now there's other imitators that are trying to do the exact same thing. But Zillow was first. Zillow built out the deepest data set. Zillow became the verb that people use when they start talking about the value of their homes. So had they started with keyword research, they would never have built that. Because they didn't, they started with product market fit and built an organic product then they were able to grow. Thinking further back, think about TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor didn't optimize for the most popular hotels in the world. I don't know, the Ritz-Carlton of London or the, the Waldorf of New York. They built out a website that targeted every single hotel in every single city. Regardless of the type of hotel, regardless of where their search volume, they built this template, they built the strategy, and they slotted the content into that strategy. And look what they've done. You know, I think they're about 20 years old now and no one can catch up. You just asked me, actually, if we have an equivalent. We've got we've got Zoopla Co. UK, I think, which is probably the nearest thing in the UK. And it's, it's basically, yeah, find the value of your home. Interesting. I wonder if they use the same strategy. 
Well, they should, because Zillow was the ones that created the idea that there was search volume. So anybody that is aware of Zillow will go to the UK and they would say, well, there's no one's done this. Zillow has already proved, Zillow is a public company in the stock exchange. Zillow has already proved that there's product market fit. Now let's do it in another country. And again, anyone listening in any country that's not the US, not the UK, not Canada, actually, because Zillow is in Canada, there's an opportunity to create this. And it's hard. And I was talking to a client recently who we were talking about a product-led SEO strategy and how we can build out something, you know, that long-term effort with a, a lot of investment. And they said, this is hard. We need to get engineers. We need to get designers. We need to get content people. We need to get investment. And I said, exactly. Because if it was easy, your competitor could do it. But because it's hard, because this company happens to be a public company, because they have the deep pockets to do that, they can build out a defensible strategy. They can build a moat that when they prove that this is something that has a value on search, no one else can catch up because they'll be so far ahead. They've built a sustainable product that people want to use and not just a piece of content that they hope will rank well in search. Now, this is kind of related to uh, Blue Ocean SEO, which I really want to talk about because I know that you have got some strong feelings. I mean, you really believe that's where the profit is. So tell us about, well, first of all, actually tell us what Blue Ocean SEO is and then tell us your thoughts on it. So Blue Ocean SEO is, is based on a very popular business book called Blue Ocean Strategies. And I in no way own a trademark to Blue Ocean SEO. I don't even rank on it. If you Google Blue Ocean SEO, lots of people have talked about it. Hopefully they use this idea of Blue Ocean Strategy in their SEO. But Blue Ocean Strategy, I can't pronounce the names of the authors, so hopefully whoever uh, searches this can understand how to pronounce the author's names, mm -hmm. is an idea that there's red oceans, which are all the industries in existence today. So what we know and when you're trying to create a business in that space, you're basically trying to outcompete the businesses that already exist in that space by having lower prices or better value. It's very crowded. Profits are thin. Margins are dropping. Blue Ocean is something that's not in existence today. So there is no competition and you have the entire market to yourself. So you can think about something like a, you know, an Uber versus taxis. When uh, if you were looking to get into the taxi business, you would have to outcompete against all the other taxis out there, all the other you know, cars for hire, all that. You'd have to have a better car, you'd have to have lower prices, you know, more convenience. Uber said, we're gonna upset that entire thing. We're not gonna use taxis, we're not gonna use cars, we're going to get people to use their own cars, we're gonna get them to use their smartphone apps, and they're going to make money. And then Uber owned that, actually I think it was Lyft that may have come up with this first, but anyways, Uber executed on it better. So Uber was able to own that entire market and look at the growth they had. Again, if they would have gone off to the taxi market and they would have just attached to regular taxi drivers or you know, had given out cars, they would have just been a taxi dispatch service. Instead, they've created something completely new and they were able to own the market for a decent amount of time. Blue Ocean SEO is the exact same idea. And really, it, you know, it continues the thread we were just talking about where you're going somewhere where there's no keyword research. And that's the idea of like, if you're going where there's keyword research, that's the red ocean. Everyone else is doing that. You're competing against everyone else that is able to do research and write some content. The blue ocean is there's no keyword research. No one is yet searching for it. But you know that from research, offline research, from knowing, understanding your customers, that there is demand for such a product. Mm. And then if you would create that product, that's blue ocean. You were able to own that search. Again, there, there may not be anybody searching for it yet. But with the, the few people that do search for it, you're number one. You're that one result that people are absolutely looking for. So I like to think about, if you want to think about like long-term potential, the longevity of a 
of an SEO effort, it has to be a blue ocean strategy. Otherwise, you're just doing the same thing, trying to do it a little bit better than everyone else. And I'm guessing it tends to be the disruptors that use this blue ocean strategy a lot, I'm guessing. It should be. But I would say like, you know, in my experience being in the Bay Area and, and you know, working with a lot of tech companies, many tech companies don't bother to do SEO at all. So I think that's a huge opportunity for anybody that, you know, is an agency, for anybody that is a consultant, for anybody that's looking for a job. These are companies, and if you look on LinkedIn, I actually have a, a LinkedIn post where I, I dug into the job openings and the number of people that fit the skill set. These are companies that have spent a lot of money building a lot of effort, and many of them have not bothered to really build out an SEO team or build out any SEO. So that's a huge opportunity because when they're ready to do it, they have the deep pockets, they have the product market fit, they have an understanding of the customer that they can build out that SEO. To me, it's, it's baffling that like no one has been able to really disrupt TripAdvisor. And if you could come up with that strategy that disrupts TripAdvisor by understanding this is not a space to really understand, but by knowing the product market fit of where you can add value, that would be tremendous. And that would be a huge opportunity. Mm. So what do you think our audience should be thinking about um, today, Eli, as they sort of come away from this podcast? I think it's really important to not just think out of the box, but to blow up the entire box. So like as you're doing SEO, get, just get away from all the things that people say on SEO. And typical SEO is like, here's a checklist, here's an audit, improve your title tags. If we're being honest with ourselves about like what we're doing in SEO, improving a title tag is not really going to lead to a lift unless the title tag is so terrible. If it's missing in a, you know, a certain keyword, but it has another keyword, it's not really going to lead to a lift. What will add a ton of value is if you create 10,000 new pages that offer value to a customer. If you, or, you know, think about an e-commerce store, if you're able to surface products that are not already surfaced by anybody else. Client I'm working with in the healthcare space, there is so much healthcare data that's held, on, held by the government, released by the governments. I'm sure they do in the UK too with NHS, but here in the US, the CMS, they have all this data. If you can figure out how to take this data and offer a value to users on the web and write that, you know, just you can create thousands of pages that do not yet exist that offer something again, that they, they want, but the only way to get right now is to go to the government and parse through PDFs. Some of the, some of these data sets I've looked at are so big, I can't even open them in Excel. Like right. that's an area of an opportunity. So stop thinking about the box, which is, you know, keyword research, optimize the title tag. Just think about like, what would you do as a user? What would you look for? And why would you actually come to this business or what what do you want out of your your search online well eli thanks so much for coming on today um how can our listeners find out more about you so i'm very active on linkedin so search me on linkedin hopefully i'm connected to a second degree connection of anybody who's looking so you'll be able to find me pretty quickly or you can find me on my my blog eli schwartz.co so not.com and i also have a, a website product led seo which we're product led seo.com which will be uh, redir- for now redirects to my blog, but that will be the home of the book that I'm publishing on this idea of product-led SEO. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Eli. And thanks, everyone, for listening. The show notes will be in the usual place. Sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a fab review. That would be great. Questions and suggestions. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. We have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Eli. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Andy. Thanks, Eli. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.